0: Guys, uh, rarely do I ever finish anything, either on a Wednesday night or a Sunday morning, that I don't go home and 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 wish that I had done that better, that I had um, that I had that I had done it differently and and um, more clearly. Um, <clears throat> I guess nothing was never was that more true than last week. I feel like I, I left you. I mean, I I, I didn't leave you. I, I confused you. I mean, I did it, you know, single handedly. Um, and, and I want to try to clear a bit of that up tonight so that we can move on um, and, and then try to wrap this at least this portion of it up. Um, for those of you who are unfamiliar with what we're up to, um, I went to Israel in October, came back all um, messed up over some of the things that we saw uh, produced by Islam and Roman Catholicism. And I, I told you that we were going to come back and look at the two of them, um, and we're, we're looking at Roman Catholicism at the moment. Um, i'm not going to write those those um, those five sola's up there again uh i've done that twice and so uh hopefully um, you've already you've had enough of those um, okay but i do want to write this one um, sola fides, because that's that's what's at stake in this 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 first section of our examination of roman catholicism uh sola fides, justification by faith alone um, we've, we've, we've made a little bit of progress. Um, you might recall that the, that the grace of justification is poured into, is infused into the heart via baptism. That the, that the, uh, instrumental cause, according to Roman Catholicism, the instrumental cause of justification is baptism. Um, and you remain in that justified state until you commit mortal sin. And once you commit mortal sin, you've got to be rejustified. You're not re baptized, you're re justified. And you're re-justified through the second plank of justification, according to Roman Catholicism, through the sacrament of penance. I think there's two E's. A -A -A Is just one in? Just one in. Okay, thanks, Howard. All right. Oh, that was really good. That was smart. Uh, Now, now, just take that. Uh, uh, Okay, I I hate this board. All right, all right, but guys, here's—I got us—I got us kind of confused last week because I mixed a couple of things, and I'll tell you why in a minute. I can't believe that. Um, That's the wrong word. Not training. Treasury. Okay. Now everybody got that? (laughs) The the treasury of merit. Guys, this is the second sacrament. Maybe we can go from here. Sacrament, I mean, penance is a sacrament in Roman Catholicism. It is a, it is a sacrament um, that is available to people who have committed mortal sin. And as a result of their committing mortal sin, they are given works of penance. And when those works of penance are, are, um, are completed, um, you are then re-justified. Okay? Um, we do works of repentance. This This is the second plank of justification. Now, the treasury of merit is different. The treasury of merit is not a sacrament, but it is used for people who have committed venial sin. There is mortal sin and there is venial sin. And people with venial sin, when they die, they go to purgatory. They go to purgatory. And and then the way that 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 stay in purgatory is is lessened is by drawing out of the treasury of merit by buying indulgences. Okay? Eventually, this person... Is going to get to heaven eventually, but these indulgences shorten his stay in purgatory. Those are different things. Now, the reason that I probably confused you last week is because these are the two things that Martin Luther reacted against. These are the two things that Martin Luther said was a denial and, and, and overturned. It was an assault on the sufficiency of Christ's merit. It was abuses in these things that led Martin Luther to nail those 95 theses and then launch that, that thing which we know as the Protestant Reformation. So I, I hope that that makes it, their, their, their similarity is that they both assault the, the sufficiency of Christ's work. Now, I hope that cleared that up from last week, but let's, let's see if we can go a little bit further. In Roman Catholicism, if you die in mortal sin, you go to hell. And, and that's why the, the last of the seven sacraments in Roman Catholicism is called extreme unction. Do you remember back when I was a boy, they, they used to make these movies where the priest would have to scurry to the scene of the car accident to, to, um, to perform the, the, the services of last rites or extreme unction? But extreme unction was an extension of the sacrament of penance. Because if you died with mortal sin on you, you're, you're done for. You don't go to purgatory, you go to hell. Um, the vast majority, uh, according to Roman Catholicism, the vast majority of people do not die in mortal sin. Um, but if you die in venial sin, if you die with still impurities on your soul, then you go to purgatory and... Um, Purgatory is just a word that means purging, the purging of sins. And that stay in purgatory is lessened by drawing from the treasury of merit by buying indulgences. Now, um, so very few people, very few people in Roman Catholicism would go directly to heaven. There's a few that do, who die and go directly to heaven. And those are people whose merit, whose, whose extra merit goes into the treasury of merit because they did... They did works of super-erogation. Because these people did these works of super-erogation, they had excess merit that goes into the treasury of merit that can be distributed to somebody else. Um, Now, by the way, all of this can be documented in the most recent Roman Catholic Catholic, uh, catechism. I think it was in 2003 that it was published, if you want to take a look. But Martin Luther looked at this treasury of merit business and said that if the church had any heart at all, then she would empty the treasury of merit so that purgatory could be emptied, but she refused to do that. But his main objection was that the whole system, this whole system of merit was a radical departure, as he understood it, of the biblical doctrine of justification by faith and a radical distortion of the sufficiency of the merit of Jesus Christ. And I hope you can see that, why it is an assault upon the, because it is, uh, if you perform these works of penance, you produce merit. And if you need some more, you buy it out of the treasury. It's an assault on the sufficiency of Christ's merit. Now, um, uh, again, according to Roman Catholicism, uh, on uh, in answer to this question, on what basis will God ever declare a person to be just? On what basis will God will uh, God ever declare um, uh, anybody to be just? Roman Catholicism says that the only basis is a person's inherent righteousness. In fact, they, they call it analytical justification. And by that, they mean that once God analyzes you, he comes to the conclusion that you are indeed righteous. And as a result of, of analyzing you and finding you righteous, he then pronounces you justified. Um, you, in, in Roman Catholicism. You cannot be righteous without the help of Christ, and without the help of faith, and without the help of grace. But given these helps, you still have to reach the level of inherent righteousness. And this is accomplished in Roman Catholicism by this infused righteousness Infused in you in the, at, the, at the grace of in the, at the sacrament of baptism, it's poured into your soul, and you cooperate from that and become inherently righteous. As a result of you being inherently righteous, God analyzes you and uh, sees that you're so that you're so accomplished in righteousness, and then uh, declares that you were you are justified on the basis. You gotta get those words, ladies and gentlemen, on the basis of your inherent righteousness. Now, Martin Luther exploded the, the Protestant Reformation, swept the, the, the countryside, and the reformational view of justification, I mean, do you have that Roman Catholic one down yet? The basis, the basis Of one's justification is inherent righteousness. The basis, according to the reformational view, the basis, the grounds of justification is the finished work of Christ. Now, guys, do you see how vastly different those things are? The basis is inherent righteousness. The basis is the finished work of Christ. And, and that, the, the, the only merit that exists is His merit. And that merit gets credited to me. And the key word, ladies and gentlemen, is the word imputation. If you do not understand the word imputation, you do not understand the doctrine of justification by faith alone. The grounds, the basis upon which God will declare any man just is the finished work of Christ. And that finished work of Christ, that merit that belongs to Christ and Christ only, is imputed to me by the instrument... Of faith, Gang, um, the ground of our justification is Christ's life and death. Christ alone merits salvation. He's the only sinless one. Faith is the instrument by which we embrace him. Now, guys, do you remember? We've said this two weeks in a row. That the instrumental cause... In Roman Catholicism, of justification was what baptism. The instrumental cause was baptism. The instrument in the Reformational view, the instrument that that thing by which we embrace this saving work, the instrument is faith. Uh, God transfers or or imputes his righteousness. To me by faith. Faith is not the grounds. It is not the basis. It is the instrument. The basis on which God can declare any of us just. Is the finished, completed work of Jesus Christ. I am covered By the righteousness of Christ, and and Luther called it an alien righteousness. And by alien, he simply meant somebody else's. He called it extra-nos. It was an alien righteousness. It wasn't my righteousness. It was a righteousness performed by someone else. Now, Now guys, here is a key sentence, and I'm telling you, if you're if you want to take anything down take this down um, in the Reformational view of, of justification God calls me just before he makes me just. In Roman Catholicism God won't call me just. Until I have been made just. Do you see the radical difference between those two things, ladies and gentlemen? In reformational, in Protestant theology, ladies and gentlemen, not just mine, but Protestantism, God calls me just before he makes me just. And the process of making me just is called sanctification. He calls me just. He declares me just before I become just or before I become righteous. Roman Catholicism says God won't call me just until I have become just, until I have become righteous. <clears throat> Ladies and gentlemen, I I submit to you that the difference has to do with what is a true gospel and what is a false gospel. This is not minor quibblings of, of theological nitpicking. This is the gospel we're talking about here, ladies and gentlemen. On what basis will God declare a person to be just? Roman Catholicism says it's on the basis of a person's inherent righteousness. Reformational theology says it's on the basis of imputed righteousness, an imputed righteousness that belongs, a righteousness that belongs to him, but becomes mine by the instrument of faith. Now, that's why I said on the first night that we were together, to say that I believe in Jesus and mean this is a vastly different thing than saying I believe in Jesus and mean this. Those are two different things. I hope you can see that. I'm going to try to illustrate in a minute, but I, I mean, I hope that that's enough to at least Guys, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to review that real quick and then I'm going to try to tell you a story and I'm going to quit. Roman Catholicism says that the instrumental cause of justification is my baptism. My baptism infuses righteousness into me uh, and I remain in that state of, of justification until I commit mortal sin. When I then commit mortal sin and make shipwreck of my baptism, I am to be re-justified by the second um, sacrament known as penance, uh, while I, I, am, I am then given works of righteous... I'm, I'm given works of penance to perform by the priest, such as Hail Mary's, such as paternosters such as almsgiving, whatever. And then I can become... I can be moved back into the state of justification having performed those works of penance. And so <clears throat> if I die with um with venial sin that's fine because i'm still in the state because i didn't commit mortal sin um, i i that's fine i just go to purgatory to have those those impurities purged off of me that period in purgatory can be lessened by the buying of indulgences um which purchases merit out of the treasury of merit for somebody as wicked as i am The Reformation said, Martin Luther said, no. That is an assault on the sufficiency of Christ's work and Christ's merit. And, of course, then promulgated this doctrine. By the way, it was never called that until the Reformation. The doctrine was there, still there. It was just called that um, in the Reformation. Sola fides. Justification by faith alone faith is an instrument Christ's work is the grounds don't get those confused your faith is not the grounds of your justification christ's finished work is on the basis of that god then can declare me just or righteous based on his merits that are imputed to me by faith. Now, um, we're going to talk about some more things in the coming weeks, but they're peanuts compared to this. This is the gospel you're talking about here, ladies and gentlemen. This is a... All right. There are two answers to this question. On what basis will God declare a person to be just. There's one answer, there's another answer. And they're they're entirely separate answers. So if you believe in this Jesus up here that does it this way, you're believing one gospel and the rest of us who are believing in this Jesus who does it this way, it's a different gospel. I hope you can see that. Because guys, it's 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 um, it's not a particularly enjoyable to uh, have discussions like these, but I'm telling you, the gospel is at stake. It was at stake in the, Re- in the Protestant Reformation, and is at, it is at stake today. Now, um, what I want to do, I want to close by telling you a story, which I think illustrates all this. I hope it does. I mean, because this this actually happened, and when I when it uh, it was right before Christmas. And once I um, participated in this conversation, I walked out of the place and wrote it all down, or at least wrote myself some notes so I could tell you this story, because I think it illustrates this. Now, guys, you know I'm off on Mondays. Um, uh, my Mondays are pretty routine. I uh, try to sleep late. I um, I uh, go to the German Athletic Center on Oh, I don't know, i get there at 10, 10.30, something like that, and I work out, I have lunch, and I usually read a book. And then um, that's it. Pretty exciting, don't you think? <laughs> I'm just one party kind of animal. Um, uh, but anyway, that's what I do. And uh, I've been doing it for years. Um, years. I know it doesn't look like it, but but I, I've been doing it for years. Um, actually, Monday is my longest workout. It's about an hour and a half, and I... I um, I bench press um, um, a lot. <laughs> uh, I bench press about 180. And I'm very, very proud of that. Um, but anyway, um, every Monday morning, almost every Monday morning, it's the same little cabal of men that get together around the same benches. There's two guys from the Germantown utilities um, uh, Danny and, um, oh, foot, um, Willie. Danny and Willie, uh, they come in and they, you know, there's like four benches and I'm on one bench and they're on another bench. And this other fellow is on this other bench and, and we've struck up a little conversation over the months and the years. And, and i I've grown to like him. I mean, he's a, he's a very personable guy. If I were to mention his name, I bet you many of you would know the guy. He's a, he's um, um, he's a nice fellow. And, you know, this six-for-six six thing that we do about praying for, for people who um, apparently have no profession of faith for six months? Well, I prayed for this guy for a long time. And to this point, um, God has not seen fit to um, respond at least the way I wanted him to. But this guy's a Roman Catholic. And, I mean, he is a, um, he's a very outspoken Roman Catholic. Um, he has a Roman Catholic name, even. I mean, it's a very Italian kind of name. And... Um, on and on. Well, um, on this particular morning, uh, the Monday before Christmas, the conversation started out like this. It started out, it said, um, um, he, he started the conversation and he said, how you doing? That's kind of innocuous, isn't it? Uh, you know, nothing really harmful about that. And I said, you know, I, I always hate to say it's the same old hackneyed thing that everybody says. That's why I don't ever say Merry Christmas because uh, everybody says that. Um, but he said, "How you doing?" And I said, "Well, I'm old." And uh, he said, um, um, "Oh, you know, it could be worse. You could be dead." <laughs> and and to that, I said, um, "No. If I were dead, I would be in heaven, and that would be better." Now, I'm, I'm talking to a very, uh, um, wide-eyed Roman Catholic. And to that statement, he said, you hope so. This is a quote. Nobody knows whether they've done enough. <laughs> so, so seeking to be i mean redemptive and and my an evangelist an evangelist um, i said to that statement i said no <laughs> he and he said you know he said nobody knows whether they've done enough and i said to that no jesus did enough for me and, um, I mean, his temperature is really rising the whole time and, and getting more and more flustered with my foolishnesses. And he said, this is what he said. He said, that's your take. He said, um, as I see it, and this is this is a quote, this, this as long as I don't commit adultery or murder, I'll be fine. Now, ladies and gentlemen, that is perfectly, perfectly consistent with this. Now, um, are you seated there tonight thinking that you cannot have any sense of your ultimate and final destination because you do not know whether or not you have done enough good things to merit heaven? If so, ladies and gentlemen... I invite you to join a Roman Catholic church because you are in total sync with the Roman Catholic view of justification. If somewhere screwed in there somewhere you're thinking that no I'll never know on this side of heaven that I've ever that I can be certain about my my eternity my eternity because I don't know whether I've done enough. Then, ladies and gentlemen, I tell you, you have got a different gospel than the one that I preach. Now, in addition to that, um, the whole idea of mortal versus venial sins, as long as I don't commit murder and I don't commit adultery, I'm going to be fine. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I am not here to promote either of those. Um, I, I hope neither of those can ever be said about any of us. But do you see that that is another? That, that's a those are those are mortal sins. And this man is thinking, if I do those, and I die, and I am not met by a priest who extends the the, the sacrament of extreme unction to me, then I will be lost forever. If you think somehow that murder and adultery are in a different class from selfishness and idolatry and envy and lust, all of which I am guilty, then ladies and gentlemen, you have not yet understand the beauty of the Christian proclamation. Now, indeed, sins, and I'm going to I'm going to talk about this in the coming days, but there are different consequences. For instance, you know, Jesus says, um, if you're angry after a man, you've committed murder. You know, that's Matthew five. Well, tell me, would you rather I be angry at you or murder you? Now, the, the, the point is the consequences are different in terms of what happened to you when I murdered you or I was, but, but the, but, But the sin, ladies and gentlemen, both defile and both prohibit me from enjoying a felicity of bliss, an eternity of felicity and bliss. But to think that if I can stay away from certain real bad ones, and by the way, that definition of real bad ones varies from person to person. If I can stay away from those, but even if I do, if a priest will get to me and pronounce extreme unction, then my mortal sins are cared for and um, and I am re-justified all on the basis of the statement of a man who says, Teo absolvo. see that ladies and gentlemen how incredibly false that is I hope you can because the gospel is simply on the basis of the finished work of Jesus Christ all who embrace him by faith are declared just by the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ And from that moment on, a process of becoming a different human being begins. And I am being made righteous from that point by the indwelling Holy Spirit who begins to labor over my sinful inclinations and move me in the direction of the person of Jesus Christ. They're two different Gospels. I'm not going to say that. My wife would jump me. Um, but, but I, 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 guys, I, I, I'm trying to be as, um, as emphatic as I know how to be. Because this ain't, this ain't peanuts. We're going to talk about, you know, the infallibility of the Pope and that business. You know, we can almost, we can almost live with that. Although it's pretty bad. But we can almost live with that, but this we cannot live with. And this is why the Protestant Reformation was born, ladies and gentlemen, because of these abuses of the finished work of Jesus Christ. And it is an open, utter, boldface assault on the sufficiency of Christ's life and death for his people. And anything that tampers with that ought to be, to us, unthinkable. I close with this, guys, and I'd like for you to see it. Open your Bibles to Galatians chapter 1. Galatians 1. I'll read you just a couple of verses and make an application. We're done. It's verse 8 and 9. Galatians 1, 8. Paul is speaking and he says, But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. Um, Guys, that Greek word accursed is the word anathema or anathema. And what it means is to fall under the divine ban. If I could be colloquial. If anyone brings another gospel than the one I brought to you, let him go to hell. And and I I, I add this. He says that in verse 8. And then just to make sure that you know that he didn't get carried away. He repeats himself in verse 9. Just so that you might know that I'm not carried away, let me say it again, don't tamper with the gospel. Now, ladies and gentlemen, if I am right, and these are two different gospels, then make the next application. Our Father, I do pray that you would make us great defenders of the saving gospel, defenders of it in a way where we are, we are well received and not, not more offensive than we already are. Might we be um, quick to defend it and um, slow to uh, condemn and yet, oh God, um, when this gospel is at stake, might not only this church, but us as individual Christians, rise up to defend it? Um, not that it needs our defense, but we certainly don't want it to ever be lost, because it is the power of God into salvation for all those who believe. So, for the coming generations, might this might this message be protected, guarded? and proclaimed with uh, great fervor and great clarity here and um, all around the world. And we ask it, of course, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you and good night.